All right, everyone, welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. And we are joined by a an international shit show. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Hey, hey, how's it going? Good. You live in Rotterdam. Yep, Rotterdam in the Netherlands. The low but you grew up in Virginia. Yeah, in central Virginia. So why do you Rotterdam. have an accent? I do. I don't know. Everyone tells me that. I think it's because I study so many languages now. They all start mixing together. So yeah, you sound like you're from. I, I'm not. You sound like you're from France, kind of. Oh, really? Can you speak French? Interesting. Yeah, I speak French also. The How French many languages do you speak? Uh, five. English, French. English, French, uh, Spanish, Dutch, uh, German, and Portuguese. I'm studying. Wow. Last, German and Portuguese. I'm just studying, but others I speak. Wow. They when all mix you... together, actually. It's kind yeah. of like a puzzle. Well, it's all Latin based, right? Yeah, or Germanic. Yeah. Germanic. Yeah. 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 And well, that's, so you that's have just a language like brain. Really fucked up English, actually. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. funny if you listen to Dutch. <laughs> I want you to learn Mandarin. Okay. That's your next one. Uh, yeah. I took one year of Mandarin, taught in French. That was fucking intense. <laughs> yeah. I don't crazy. get it. <laughs> I mean, think about it. They have like over like two thousand characters. Like how? Yeah, it's it's difficult in some ways, but in other ways, it's so simple because they don't conjugate verbs. For example, uh -huh. so you just say I run, he runs. Even in the past or future, you just add a different word. So different yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or what about how like that you literally can say like the same word and it's just slightly <laughs> different pronunciation and it like yeah. it means like pickle and then it That's means like volleyball. Part. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or, or worse, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so what song do you want played when you walk into a room? So definitely uh, Pour It Up by Rihanna. Throw it up, let it up. Uh, it's my uh -huh. <laughs> Okay, that's a good one. Um, favorite carbohydrate? Uh, la Tradition. It's like a French baguette, but they have in France two baguettes, a normal baguette, and then they have a tradition. And a tradition is like a baguette, but it's made the old fashioned way. So it's like um, less additives and things. It tastes so good. Oh my gosh. Have to try uh -huh. it. It's crunchy yeah. on the outside and soft in the soft inside. Soft in the inside. Oh, it's heaven. Sorry, <laughs> you're basically saying traditional, but in yeah. a French accent? Okay. Yeah, traditional. <laughs> That's what you see it if you go to the store there. So. Let's see. I gotta look this up. It sounds amazing. It is so good. I love. Okay, beautiful. Uh, how you been eating that shit? Plain? What you doing with it? What are you doing with yeah, that I, traditional? I can't eat it. I can put it plain. I can put like some cheese on there, you know. Uh, make like a sandwich or something to go. Uh, yeah, some honey. Sometimes I put honey or jams. A lot of French people they have that for breakfast. They'll slice it up and then they'll put the jams on there. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Homemade jams. <laughs> Okay, so good segue, cheese, fave cheese. Yes. Cheese, uh, brie. I like brie. brie. Mm -hmm. Really good. Yeah. Condiment. Uh, spicy honey mustard. Spicy honey mustard. Yes, that's the best one. <laughs> Do they have much of that over there? Yeah, actually, Dutch people, uh, the, they have a lot of junk food here. So it's not the most tasty food, but they have a lot of like condiments, a lot of fried foods, like cheese sticks, like 
uh, bitter ball in this, like a cheese stick, but with meat on the inside. So what is it called? <laughs> a bitter ball in. What is it? What kind of meat? Uh, it can be a different kind of thing. So it can be meat or it can even be vegetable uh, with some mixture of cheese. And it's just basically like a fried ball with some filling in it. So, that yeah, that sounds that's, good. That's Dutch food. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I mean, what are what is like their most traditional dish or what are they known for? I don't even know. Uh, they're really not. <laughs> no, food is not a thing. Here. Like they have stem pot. It's like potatoes with vegetables in it, but they're not really known for food at all. But the good thing is they had a lot of colonies, right, in uh, yeah. Latin America and Asia. So a lot of Indonesian people here and also from Curacao. So they have a lot of island influences. So it's not so bland. It just has to come from the outside. Outside, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, get it. <laughs> um, okay, so how did you learn that you were an adult child? Uh, I learned that this year listening to your podcast, actually. So that was a big uh, wake-up call in December, I think, with that episode from Eddie. Yeah, that was uh, the wake-up call for me. Um, but I would say the shit really started hitting the fan in June 2020. Like, that's when everything snapped. And then from that moment, I was just consuming so much information. I was already in a bit of therapy, just trying to process everything that I could. And then when I found your podcast, that's when I realized, actually, this is what this is, mm-hmm. uh, despite everything else that I had been researching and trying to piece together my own. So, so what <laughs> happened in June of 2020? uh COVID (laughs) well I quit my job because in March like literally before the lockdown like a week before they shut everything down because my mother told me she had cancer so I was feeling like so clever like oh my god I need to go back and take care of her and so yeah I I quit my job and I started to um something happened where I took a step back and I realized what is happening in my life and I realized I'm not even in control of my life Mm. and that I'm being so dictated by my need to take care of her and my codependency with her that I realized my life is really falling apart because I'm not living for myself this whole time. And that's what drove me into addiction, actually, this guilt that I had to be her husband and or take care of her or, yeah, that, that my life is not really my own. I'm only here to take care of her. Yeah, that's the and thing that drives it. You obviously didn't go back to take care of her. I uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. You know, and because I started to put together all the lies. Yeah, okay, you would listen to that and you would say that sounds like such an evil asshole. You're no, not son. at all. Not to this but crowd. Let me tell you the stuff <laughs> not that, to this yeah, crowd. I know, but I even think that sometimes, but it's like I had to draw a line to make some self-respect for myself at some point, you know, because when someone lies to you repeatedly, gaslights you repeatedly, um, abuse that's not happening just in my childhood, but up until I'm 30, she's mm. still abusing me. Mm-hmm. So at, uh, as humiliating that as to say, but at some point you have to put a line, you know? So no, I didn't go that. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. <laughs> so were you already, you met, you made a comment about addiction. So was that already at play? um before yeah 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 i mean i was pretty boring actually all the way through high school i was just working doing like three jobs finished college like over 20 hours you know every semester while working three jobs and graduating with honors so i never partied until or did drugs anything until i was like 24 and then the shit hit the band and were you already (laughs) over in europe (laughs) 
Um, were you already over there or you were in the no, States? No, actually I had, uh, I was um, in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh -huh. uh, that was my first time to leave home uh, and I was living with roommates and they introduced me to weed. And then that's when I started smoking weed daily in 2013. <laughs> did you go to Virginia Tech? Uh, no, no. No. My cousins did though. Your cousins did. Mm -hmm. um, when did you get it? When did you arrive over and when did you uh, get to Rotterdam? Uh, I got here in 2017 in November. And what and was the... that? I was in France in 2015. Okay. And what what prompted you to to get out of this country? Your mom? <laughs> <laughs> well, that and yeah, basically, now that I sit back and think on everything that she told me growing up, you know, she grew up, uh, I always wanted to get away with her from her first of all. But really, the way that I grew up was um, a lot of fear about being black in the US, you know? My mom went to segregated schools uh, until she was in high school, like her last years. And just she put a lot of fear in my mind over and over and over. I mean, I know she's traumatized, but she beat that into my mind. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of just like, I want to take my power back <laughs> and avenge my ancestors. I want a new passport, that's my dream. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's get into your childhood. Yeah. Where to begin? I mean, I realize now the problem is that like, when, within my first seven years of life, it was just a constant tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Mm -hmm. So, like the first thing was that my dad just disappeared one day. He just didn't come back home. How I, How old were you? I was uh, like seven. Okay. And then, like a year later, my grandfather died in his sleep from a heart attack. Less than a year later, my grandmother got pancreatic cancer. So we moved. Then I moved with my mom in to take care of her. So I watched her die. Um, and then after my grandmother died, my mother had breast cancer and almost died. Mm. So since I was seven years old, I was looking at my mother. And the first time I told her is I want to kill myself when I was seven years old. I want to commit suicide because I was looking around this is life and mm. rather just kill myself. <laughs> I mean, literally since I was seven years old. So that's that's why things are fucked up. And then from there, you know, it just makes it difficult. Like I couldn't make friends so easily in school because I was always so sad looking. I still have that problem. Like I, I have like a, a general sad demeanor. Sometimes I can pep it up, but sometimes the emotions are just too real. And as a kid, I had a hard time to fake it, to make friends that caused like further delays and things, you know, and development and growth. And so that, that is the thing that I'm trying to figure out. And I think during that chaos for my mom, she clung to me as the only thing, her only reason to live. So, I mean, she gave me as much as she could financially. I mean, I was doing horseback riding lesson. I had a black belt in karate, gymnastics. I was a golf team, swim team, a lacrosse team. I was in theater and the symphonies and everything, you know, but no emotion. Mm. And I always felt like she had like claws in my back, you know, like, mm. mm -hmm. like she just hanging on for life. Like I'm her only thing. And so, yeah, that's the guilt, you know, and the covert emotional incest. That, uh, yeah, absolutely. So did you did you have a relationship with your dad at all after that? Uh, not really. He's kind of he's an artist, so his head is in the clouds. He's from Ethiopia. He's the only one in his family who is in the U.S. So he's like, I haven't spoken to him in like five years. And I mean, he's never even given me a birthday card, let alone a gift or a call, a phone call. Um. He married my mom and didn't even tell her that he had another child and had been married before. I think I was seven when my mom found out that he had already been married and had a child. That he abandoned. And that's when me. he left? 
He abandoned, no, he abandoned my brother and his first wife in Ethiopia in a mm. refugee camp. Mm. And so then he eventually comes to U.S., gets with my mom and has a child. By this time, my brother uh, with his mom have immigrated to Canada. And somehow my mom finds out. And so she says, well, he needs to, I need to meet my brother. So he starts to drive from Virginia to Canada to pick up my brother, Toronto. And along the way, he starts having an affair with another woman. And then has my sister. I also don't find out I have a sister until she's like five years old. So this is my dad. He's just like always like in the clouds, you know, not paying attention to anyone else, you know. But his last wife stole all his money. So I think that's funny as hell. <laughs> He's getting attacked. She stole all his shit and the house. I was like, yes, fuck it up. <laughs> you know? I don't give a shit. Fuck it up, girl. I was like, she was so nice to me. You know, actually, I lived with them when I went to college at first, and she was a social worker. And she knew I was having problems with depression. She asked me, Are you doing okay? My dad never said shit to me. So when she left and took all that money, I was like, Yes, fuck it up. <laughs> So, do you have a relationship with either of your siblings? Uh, not really. I like no. I can text them, but we're not close. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, so I mean, there's so much generational and inherited trauma at play. Uh, with you, and then yeah, and so I was just with my mom, right? And she didn't take the steps to try to heal herself, or maybe she couldn't do it, or she didn't and, know. You know. She, well, you she's, and I were talking uh, about she's that. She's a mental health nurse for 40 years with children and adults. Children and adults. It's crazy to tell me you don't know anything is wrong, you know? And so I know that she was overwhelmed raising me on her own. And she found the uh, father figure, you know, from the Big Brother, Big Sister program. But he actually just ended up molesting me also. So mm-hmm. my view of people my whole childhood is just using me. My mother used me to feel better, this guy. And the most fucked up thing about the big brother, big sister was actually not getting abused because he psychologically fucked me to the point that he discarded me to choose another little brother to Mm. abuse. So for a child to deal with that while not having a father and your mother is fucked up and you already can't make friends, imagine that level of despair. Mm. And now I know why these feelings are so much when I'm trying to I just had it yesterday. Like I went out to dinner with my friend and really nice uh, Japanese ramen place. And it was kind of small, so many conversations. And I was just overwhelmed because I saw so many people having fun with friends. And I was just like flooded with so much like emotion because I don't really have that. And I can't connect with people so easily. And so those emotions really, uh, really come, you know. What a gift to be able to spot that that's what it is. I mean, that's only recently now that I have time off, you know, to be able to pause and, you know, go into the moment and try to figure out what I'm feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. So what was the identity that you took on as a kid? Mm, I have to achieve. I have to achieve. I have to prove that I'm not an animal. I like the way and the place I was raised, I felt like because I'm black, like I am looked down on almost like I'm an animal. Like mm. I used to hate black people actually when I was in middle school, as ridiculous as that sounds, I'm black. <laughs> and I used to have such hatred for black people. Eventually that changed, but I did that also on my own. My mother never even knew that. Um, 
Yeah, but, but I'm sure that there were mess. But I'm I know that there were certain messages, messages that she said that somehow resulted yeah, in that. Yeah, there's yeah, like uh, and it's part of it's so weird because part of it is true, you know. Uh, you cannot act the same around a police officer as you can, you know. You mm -hmm. cannot necessarily date every white girl like a mm -hmm. white guy could. She always used to tell me, never date a white girl. Don't go to a party. The white girl see with them. Da, 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 da. Don't trust your coworkers. Da, 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 da. Everything in my head is my mom is negative. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like sometimes I just want to shut this shit off. I think that perfectly explains it. I think we all know what that's like. It's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was I going to ask you? Um, yeah, I forgot the original question, I think. I was asking you about your, yeah, your identity. <laughs> there is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it's just really the overachieving, the fighting, you know, make that money. That's why I said for that with Rihanna, because I fucking love money. Fucking love money. That's mm -hmm. the only thing I want. Ever since I was a kid, I was like, give me that money. And I'm good at making money. I'm really good at making, I'm really educated. I've studied so many different things I've come up with so many days on my own, but I have a hole in my boat. I have a mm. hole in the boat. The hole in the boat is narcissists who come and attracted by the money, taking it away and the drugs. <laughs> but mm. I know I have that. I have, that's one thing I like about myself is I'm really tenacious. I have that drive to keep going, going, going. But I just need to plug the holes in the boat, you know? <laughs> so what would you say are the laundry list traits that have caused you the most pain? Um, confusing love with pity. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, that that is the one that always sticks out to me. It's been the most consequential. Consequential. Um, definitely, we became isolated and uh, afraid of authority of people and authority figures. Uh, I'm so isolated still to this day. I I don't know how to connect with people. It's driving me crazy. Uh, addicted to excitement. I think for sure because I'm always chasing. You know. I'm a risk taker, maybe a risk taker too extreme, you know, in a way, and searching for that, you know, achievement and and I judge myself really harshly. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess I have a low sense of self-esteem. That's what I talked to with my therapist. If my self-esteem is so low, how the fuck can I keep going after all these jobs and 60, like, it's so like, yeah, it's so true, but yeah, it's difficult. Well, I think two th two things can be true at the same time, right? Yeah, also. But but it, because what it is is like it's it's your low sense of self esteem that is driving yeah. you to achieve that yeah, stuff. Yeah, true, true. Because I need to prove myself, basically. Yeah. But it's because never I enough. Think, I think that money is love. That's what my mother like. That was the message I got from my mother. I will pay for your piano lesson. I will pay for your. That is love. So then, when I get in a relationship, I'm always paying. And, and losing all this money and it's like so <laughs> yeah I can relate to that a circle lot. in a circle <laughs> so you and I talked a couple months ago just about the anger that you've been feeling towards your mom and yeah where is that at now a couple months later how are you feeling in that respect um it's coming a bit it's coming down it's just the, the dichotomous view of um I have really spent a lot of time to do some deep meditation, ketamine-infused meditation. Like, okay. it really helps to, like, uh, with that, I was able to get to two sessions with the therapist, and I was able to get to a place where I felt a new level of understanding for her pain. Like, mm. I was able to go back into her shoes, and I can understand that. But on the other side, 
I imagine that she did this on purpose to try to control mm. me and to and manipulate me. And I don't know which side it is on or where in between it is, but that dichotomy is driving me crazy because I don't trust her because I think that she's trying to hurt me. She used to beat dogs. She beat the dog with a belt in front of me. I remembered the dog snarling. I was also beat with a belt like an animal. You know what I'm saying? So I want to have sympathy for her, but there's so many memories that, like, I want to feel sympathy, but this is the thing. She told me I never knew anything is wrong. She is a psychiatric nurse, we know. Okay, so you can tell me you never knew anything was wrong. When the first time I told you I want to kill myself at seven, when you see me cutting myself in high school, when I have uh, started to develop bulimia by the age of 15, I'm throwing up my food. You are cleaning up my vomit from the toilet and telling me, are you still throwing up? When I'm 17, I have my first suicide threat. Two police officers come to my house and she escorts them to my room and they're asking me about suicide. Uh, I have a mental breakdown when I first go to college and have to come back. And this whole time she wanted to tell me I didn't know anything is wrong. I don't, I don't understand. I'm sorry. I don't. That's what I cannot get past. That is the block. If I could get past that block, how she can see all of those things and tell me I don't know anything is wrong, I don't know. Because she needs help also. That's the thing. I'm not just mad because I need, but she needed to get help. Why can why can't she just get help for both of us or for herself at least? Why does she have to deny that? I mean, really what it all stems from and Grant, it, and I've told you, it's okay yeah. to feel angry. It's okay yeah. for you to have those feelings. I think so much of it is like, if she recognizes that you're fucked up, then she has to recognize that she's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. walls that are built up around us to like not yeah. go there are so fucking thick and strong. Yeah. Way too scary for her to go, to go there. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. Especially since you were I, her world. Yeah, I know. And it makes me feel so fucking guilty. No. <laughs> it's like, I'm her only. I know. It's like, Jesus Christ. So it's like, how can you tell me you didn't know nothing is wrong? Like, that's why I had to have to have some self respect and told her I cannot talk to you anymore. But yeah, I was just it, about it, to it ask that. When I had that breakdown and the explosion, like, I got too such. I was yelling at her so bad. My neighbors called police. <laughs> Mm. I had to call my therapist not to. I had been drinking, and it was like, ugh. it was with my medication. So I like had a, a blow up on her, and it was really not nice. And I realized that it's not it's not good for me. My emotions. No, but at the same time, confusion. you've been suppressing it your entire life. Yeah. And yeah. you've had some really fucked up shit happen. Yeah. So that stuff does need to come out. Yeah, for sure. Because that is eating you alive. Literally. Like I told you, yeah, I just, um, I don't know, you know, it's just, uh, I don't want to cry right now. Please do. It's just, <laughs> I'm a bitch now. That's one thing, like, oh. when I when I, when I I start crying, when I drink, is when I, my whole soul, like, that's why I don't. Well, it is. Drinking, it's, it's drinking, like, it's a depressant. It's a depressant. It was never really my thing, right? Because always smoking for me. But sometimes when I get drunk, I cry. It's like my whole soul is mm. broken. <laughs> like, like I laugh because it's my coping mechanism when something is getting sensitive. But it's it's really, uh, yeah, it's painful. That anguish that I feel when I get drunk, 
how can I access that without? Because even now that I haven't been drinking since the beginning of this year, mm -hmm. some ups and downs, but more or less, um, how can I get to that place where I can access that emotion like, mm -hmm. without? It just substance? takes time. Yeah. It's going to be a long, slow burn. <laughs> nice. You've been through a lot. Yeah. It comes up when we're ready to, yeah. we're ready to deal with it. That's my perfectionist. Like, I just need to be done yesterday. No I was shit. Trying, I was thinking, like, maybe I should just take ayahuasca and just blow the lid off. But, yeah. you know, just fuck it. Fuck it. You know, that's I thought that too. She was like, don't do it. So I don't, I'm going to wait a bit. Yeah. I think I think it's a good idea. So Damn. tell me about your experience doing the, the ketamine. Was it ketamine assisted therapy or ketamine assisted meditation? Uh, meditation. Well, it was therapy here also. Uh -huh. uh, it was with a guy who, uh, I don't know if he's a certified therapist or not here, uh -huh. uh, but he does, they do acupuncture and different kind of alternative things with this clinic. And basically uh, I had like um, an IV infusion for ketamine. <clears throat> and the two sessions I did, one was for a breakup that I had just gone through. And then the second wave was to look at the issues with my mom and to create more empathy. And <clears throat> have you ever tried ketamine before? Mm -mm. Okay. So I missed it's, out. Oh my God. It's, um, it's like, uh, how do you explain? It's uh, dissociative. So mm -hmm. when I, when I take this, most people tell me they feel stupid, but I actually felt like my brain is splitting into. So when I was, um, it's like the therapist was asking me a question about how I was feeling, uh, but that's this brain over here, but I had a different brain to actually examine how my mind was working. Mm -hmm. And I was, I had to remove distance. Like it was literally like I had two brains. It's difficult to explain, but it was weird to have someone be able to actually show me my own mind and I can look at it from a detached point of view more so than if I was um yeah sober and in the middle of that intense emotion especially for those that are really sensitive mm -hmm. like that breakup that I had just gone through in the middle of that 2020 thing that was really like and then with my mother though I think it's difficult to maintain that distance uh because it's such a hot topic for me still and so triggering so I think it can be beneficial to create distance and you know exactly how long has it been since you've spoken with your mom uh about a year and a half uh -huh. and has she been reaching out um she was but I told her if she contacted me I'm gonna put a restraining order so oh. yeah well, that's the way sometimes she, she tries to send nice letters you know like I don't know, cars to say I love you. She sent me like this little owl, owl to remind me to be wise. And I don't know, she tried to send me things, but I don't know. Like this one lady, I forget who did this covert emotional incest, but just reminding yourself you have to be on guard with those people, you know. So where have you seen your growth? Because I know you've seen it somewhere. Yeah. Um, my growth has been in separating being able to separate and take a step back mm. like I, i've seen before and i've learned a lot of other things in the meantime uh the different therapy modalities i'm doing dialectical behavior therapy now uh -huh. which is really great uh adjunct i think also for some of the um acoa work that uh, that we're doing do you want to explain um, that a little bit what it looks like <clears throat> dialectical behavior therapy uh -huh. Sure. So they're like a, it's like a therapy modality that's, it's based, uh, as a growth from CBT, 
cognitive-based yeah. therapy most people know. And uh, DBT is targeted for people with CPTSD or uh, personality disorder traits. And it's based around emotional regulation, uh, interpersonal effectiveness, um, uh, mindfulness, and uh, like how to be effective like in your actions. So they have a lot of different skills in each of these areas, basically to manage your life more effectively. And I'm doing it now in a group that's targeted for a chemsex community in Rotterdam. Um, and they just started this as a pilot program. And basically a what have sex? A Kim sex? Kim sex, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? So this is like, uh, they have this new uh, problem where people are increasingly combining sex with drugs and it's becoming okay. like a really- Kim, uh, Kim. Kim sex, like okay, chemical. Okay, got it, got yeah, it, got Kim, it. Kim sex. <clears throat> yeah, so now helping this targeted for this community. And yeah, this group of like 10 of us, uh, we have once a week and then one once a week also individual therapy. Yeah, so have, do you feel like you've been able to connect with the people in the group? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they understand uh, They understand my situation, my thinking. They have also similar situations with their family, you know, and it's less judgmental, you know, because everyone is just mm -hmm. open and vulnerable there. So that's really helped a lot. Good. So what have been yeah. some of the tools that they've taught or what have you picked up um, on? <clears throat> uh, like DBT, they have a whole long list of skills. Uh, like I told you, the most useful one for me is the wise mind. So that's where you slow down and you come out of your, you have your like, emotional mind, the rational mind, and then the intersection is the wise mind. So learning how to use both of those, you know, more regularly. Uh, the interpersonal effectiveness, because sometimes I have problems with people. <laughs> so like picking out what do I want, how do I deal with them, like what do these bitches want from me and all this, you know. And um, uh, yeah, this mindful living also, uh, this being more um, present in the day-to-day -day actions when I'm drinking, when I'm eating, uh, when I'm going to the gym, even, you know, uh, and opposite action. Because a lot of times I will get stuck, you know, in like a doom spiral. I call it a black hole. You just get sucked in the... So opposite action says just do the opposite of whatever you feel like doing. Mm. So if I want to like lay in my bed and cover the windows, I'm actually going to go outside and skip down the road and sing a song, <laughs> you know? Just do force yourself to do something completely opposite to, you know, shake yourself out of the mood. So I really like those. That's awesome. Okay, Daniel, let's hear some shit show show stories. Okay, I would just uh, so give you one. This, this one will be enough. <laughs> I'm so sure. So this, uh, this is 2019, right? I'm going to Russia and St. Petersburg. And they have like a boat you can take there three days, no visa. I'm so hyped because I always wanted to go to Russia. It's like my dream, fucking obsessed with that country. And so I'm there with like partying, First fucking night, we're partying at this techno club. It's like so great. We come back at six o'clock in the morning and I'm like so completely gone and I'm ready to keep partying. I want to walk and see the city, the sun coming. So my friend stays in the hotel. We have a fight. I'm walking around the city completely just like really drunk. And I see some guys like on a corner, two cars open with music. They're like, younger, you know, and they're like blasting rock and rap music and like just dancing. So I go up and we're like talking. And then, like, they start passing me up, you know, I'm just like so friendly, like, yes, I'm going to drink Russian vodka with Russians. Yes, it's so weird. It's so good. It's so fucking legit. I'm so happy, you know? And to meet people. And yeah, so they start passing this bottle around. And after that, it's like going downhill. I start blacking out. I know at one moment I woke up and I was in the car for some reason. And then they were driving me. Uh, we were driving around the city and they stole my watch, my Apple Watch, my phone, my wallet kicked me out in the side of the street um, in some random part of the city uh, there. I was passed out for a while. 
and then I woke up in someone else's house, uh, naked. Yeah, I don't know who this man is, but he has like it literally looks like a serial killer's house. Like there are shit stacked all up from the floors to the ceiling. The bar, the windows are barred. The door is like triple bolted shut. Like it really looked like a serial killer house. I'm on a red futon with literally no clothes on. And um, and then it turned out to be Putin. No, he looked 10 times worse than Putin. I wish. He, if, like, Putin was doing meth for, like, 30 years and didn't do some crap, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he would look like. So then he coming in here, you know, to, like, tried to wake me up and stuff like this, and no English, no other language. Mm. I'm, like, literally begging for my life to get out of there. And eventually I just start crying, like, a little bit uh, because he has no keyboard with English letters. I really can't. So... I just cry and, until he lets me out. And then I literally had no shoes, no shirt. I, I ran out with just pants <laughs> for three hours. I was walking in St. Petersburg trying to find my hotel. I had no idea where the hell I was. Three hours. Nobody would give me like a ride in the taxi. Nobody would talk to me because you have no clothes. And so <laughs> I took a long ass three Jeez. hour walk of shame through St. Petersburg. But luckily, one thing that worked out is that my CPTSD gives me hypervigilance. So I can have like a photo, <laughs> photo fucking graphic memory. I can remember all the turns where we were going, you know? I was like, yes, yes, yes. I was like, I found my fucking way back to the hotel, girl. Yes. I swear to God, I did. And then I started drinking. As soon as I got there, I was like, oh my God, I need to black out. I was getting me away from this, you know? This is really a fucking shit show, you know? Yeah, and I would say I so. To, and then I went to the fucking Russian police station to get a police report. That what a fucking dumb idea, right? To yeah, go to a I'd Russian say police so. station. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know. It was such a I'm just glad I got out alive, you know? Because I don't Russia know if you is heard... not to be messed with. No kidding. <laughs> I don't know if you heard Nicole's story should show Saturday, but she talked about being at a Rush- Russian disco in, in, in Germany, but you really were yeah. at a Russian disco. <laughs> that was a real Russian disco. I don't know what that was. <laughs> oh my god. So were you were you obsessed mm. with Russia after that trip? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean it was so traumatizing because I spent four hours in the police station. Then actually I got out to take my boat back because it was about to leave. I got detained again at the immigration. And they were like, so do you want to come back to Russia? I was like, I just want to get on the fucking boat, actually. (laughs) Please let me get on the boat. (laughs) (laughs) And they did? They let you? Yeah, they let me go. Oh, my God. It's so sad, though. Like, you know, I wanted to have a nice trip because it's such an interesting country. That's what we do. (laughs) <laughs> fuck it up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't die this time though so let's not go back until we get some Boston. healing no i'm not going back to russia i don't think this is possible <clears throat> their fbi service already contacted me to follow up investigation so i'm legit scared like i was literally in my house thinking they fucked someone to kill me holy shit <laughs> when did so that happen afraid. this happened like two months after so this was in august 2019 they mm-hmm. contacted me in october and november from WhatsApp, so I, I really don't want to go back to Russia. On WhatsApp? Yes, because they have all my contact details. And they're like, hey, this is the um, KK, F- what is it, KGB? FS- FSB <laughs> or something. I think it's uh, something like this. And I was, yeah, it was like a whole legit thing. I was so... It was probably the person out. that stole your fucking phone. 
I mean, I don't know, but I had just bought that phone too, so sad. <laughs> Whatever, money. <laughs> it's all about the phone. <laughs> money. So sad. Rest in peace, phone. Sorry, I couldn't treat you better. Bye. <laughs> like, that's the worst part of the story. <laughs> that is the worst. <laughs> My part. poor phone. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder what happened to it, though. Mm. Okay, well, I don't know if anyone's gonna be able to top that one. Yeah. That was pretty good. Life-threatening. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Okay, pressure's yeah. on y'all. Can you beat the, the the true Russian disco shit show story? Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not, but everyone's sanity. <laughs> that was perfect. So what are three things that you like about yourself? Uh let's see. I said that, that I'm tenacious and, and driven, so I'm always going. Uh, I'm really adventurous and really curious. So I'm always I always want to know more and, and uh yeah, find out more. And uh, the last thing is that I have a really big heart. Yes, but you do. I protect it like fiercely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in there, folks. It's in there. It's in there. I assure you. <laughs> I promise. But it's like fiercely guarded. <laughs> and so, what is a hope or dream that you have for your future? Um, I would like to be able to adopt a child one day, uh, mm-hmm. on the condition that I'm able to sufficiently figure out my shit. Uh, yeah, like that, adopt that would it. be good. Uh, yeah, adopt a child. And I would like to help them and teach them some of these things that I've learned to actually navigate life more effectively than mm. I didn't, you know? Um, that's, that would be like so, like a circle for me. I would love that. <laughs> well, I love having you in the group. I love connecting with you. I connect with you. Um, You're not having a hard time connecting with me. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I don't think that you're lame or sad or weird. <clears throat> I think you're the shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adultchildpod, and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.